Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Andrew Giuliani wants to be the next governor of New York. Andrew Giuliani. I shouldn't fumble your last name because that's key here, Andrew. It's not that, Andrew. On the Red Apple Podcast Network, here's Andrew Giuliani. Well, welcome back, friends. And today we're going to talk about a topic which I think a lot of New Yorkers are really talking about. Look, we have some major issues, whether it involves crime, whether it's congestion pricing all around New York City. But one of the questions that I got the most maybe on the campaign trail is what do we do about the office space here in New York? So I called on somebody who's a good friend, who's one of the top experts in the field, the vice chairman of JLL, one of the top brokers in the whole United States of America. Rob Martin. Rob, thank you so much for being here today to answer so many of the listeners' really important questions on this topic. Well, great. Thank you, Andrew, for having me on your show today. Let's look at some of the numbers here, and let's go through the kind of the current state of the market. There are 94 million square feet available here in Manhattan. Office space vacancies are roughly 20%. It's a 75% increase since March of 2020. So that sounds kind of dire, but what is the current state of the market? And is there anything to be optimistic about kind of looking forward at this point? Yeah, it's uh, current state of the market is that uh, I'll talk about both supply and demand. On the demand side, you know, leasing activity is significantly down. Uh, it's actually 50% uh, less than it was back in 2019. Uh, you can look back in 2019, what were the drivers of that demand? It was, you know, growth of tech jobs and you know, had a lot of capital going into tech and venture capital going into companies and they were growing and taking space. You know, Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, all expanding here in New York. You also had back then, you know, the flexible office space providers and, you know, WeWork looking to take over the world. And, uh, you know, they became actually at one time the um, largest tenant in New York. And so those were some engines that, you know, really grew the demand back in 2019. What's happened today, because of the uncertainty in the economy, a lot of companies are sort of sitting on the sidelines. If I look back over my 39-year career, when there's always uncertainty, leasing activity always declines. And so, or if you look back at when there's uncertainty in economic times or a little bit of a correction, you have a little bit of pullback on the leasing side. So do you think more of that is due to, let's say, the last few years of the pandemic? Is it interest rates rising? What would you, is it a combination kind of of this perfect storm that's come in, and, and that's why we're seeing the state of the market where it is now? Yeah, well, sorry, I just, I know I talked about the, de- the demand side. On the supply side, you know, you have a lot of companies that are utilizing space differently. We can talk about sort of the hybrid, you know, workforce and the ret- return to office. But uh, on the supply side, you know, you have t- companies, a lot of these tech companies that were growing are now, you know, putting space in the market. You've had, I think, 48 million square feet of new supply come on the market since wow. 2013. You know, Hudson Yards, which 
uh, originally when Relate built that. They built it, you know, for residential. Make the, I thought they'd make their money on the residential side, and they ended up hitting a home run on the uh, office side. It's been an uber successful project. Obviously, they're one of the best top developers around, and you've had the success of you know one Vanderbilt and some other buildings, and um, so you have all this new supply. You have, you know companies that aren't leasing space. You have companies putting space on the market, and that's sort of why we have uh, where we are today. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing. You mentioned one Vanderbilt, which is just west of Grand Central Station, obviously Hudson Yards, where so many people know it is, right there in the 34th to 40th Street area there, the related project. Uh, One of the things that's fascinating is these Class A projects, these big uh, top-end projects, seem to be doing very well Whereas kind of the, I guess you'd call them class B, class C projects really are in a depression at this point. Why is, why the big discrepancy between these incredible uh, office structures like the Hudson Yards, like the one Vanderbilt, where maybe others are not seeing anywhere near the success that they are? Yeah. Well, I know you've seen a flight to quality. These buildings are, you know, healthier. These uh, buildings have a lot more amenities and... Uh, buildings have a lot more, you know, light and air, and uh, much more efficient than a lot of the B, C quality buildings. And companies are focused on providing a good work environment for their employees and are willing to pay up for it. Yeah. And there's, you know, a lack of supply, and hence, you know, in that sort of high, very very high end market, and a lot more demand, and that's why I sort of. Uh, pricing is going up. You know, there's a lot of projects planned for New York over the next uh, 10 years. Obviously, you have the Midtown East rezoning, which mm-hmm. could add a lot of new buildings. But I think that in this environment, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, uh, mm-hmm. with interest rates uh, and sort of, you know, capital markets and capital markets sort of being shut down, yeah. it's hard to get projects funded at the moment. Mm-hmm. But when things sort of normalize, there'll probably be a lot of, you know, new development taking place uh, in Manhattan. Yeah. Before we talk about the interest rates, you mentioned flight to quality there and just kind of triggered in my mind that uh, you're thinking about people returning to work at this point, right? It's still, well, first off, where are we in terms of a return to work in New York? It seems like tourism back is back. I've seen it. Are we, where are we compared to February of 2020 right now in June, July of 2023 in terms of people getting back to work? More people are coming back now, mm-hmm. um, not five days a week. They're coming back you know, three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm-hmm. I think that it's different among generation, right? So you, you have sort of two segments of, uh, that really want to or that have embraced this sort of flexible hybrid work environment. It's the you know, Gen Z millennials that like to be in office, but also like to have that sort of flexible work style. And it's also, you think about it, the people that take care of kids, dependents, whether it's your children or your parents, seniors. And they also like the flexibility to, you know, they like being in the office, but they also sort of want flexibility. So I think those two are large parts of the population that do not want to come back five days a week. Mm -hmm. My generation, you know, um, 61, they, uh, you know, I think more people grew up in office and want to get back to the office. (laughs) And then, so I think that the future of work, you know, I think will be more of a sort of hybrid model Mm -hmm. going forward, definitely in the pioneer and midterm. I'm 
not sure if I ever go back to five days a week. You know, there was there's research out there now showing that actually a four day a week work week, people are more productive working four days versus five days. Interesting. And you know, maybe that's because when you're home or working somewhere else, you have more time to yourself, mental health better, get to go for walks. Mm-hmm. Is that where some of the maybe the mindset of the quality comes in, the flight to quality, where companies are saying, if I'm going to get my employees to come back into the office, we got to make sure that we have nice amenities, that it's uh, nice views, that it's in a good area of town. Uh, is that why you think the the high quality buildings are doing as well as they are? Exactly. Right. You know, amenitized buildings, restaurant, shopping. Whether you have a you know a gym, a pool, basketball courts, you name whatever you know other types of you know of activities that you know golf simulators, um, you know it's the the landlords that have. I might do, come in on the weekends if they're golf simulators. By the way, I didn't mean to inter- interrupt you there, but yeah. you know the the uh, the landlords that have embraced you know that and have gone out of their way to you know put more amenities in their buildings have have done quite well. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's, you know, it's a healthier environment, you know, air quality, it's the best, you know, it's all new technology, best systems, the space is more designed more efficiently. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the capital markets and interest rates. Obviously, interest rates have been rising over the last year and a half. Um, I've actually talked to the owner of WABC about this in terms of what it's done from him for a real estate perspective and and how he uh, values potential purchases and deals. Over the next few months, I know we've been, you know, listening to Powell and the Fed try to uh, tell us where this is going to go. First off, where are we now with interest rates, and, and what do you see in the near future here, and how's that going to affect the market? Right. Well, I think I think today it was announced that you know we're still going to be raising rates, not lowering mm-hmm. rates, at least yeah. in the in the near term. Interest rates have a negative impact on real estate, yeah. and when a landlord has debt coming due, and now his interest rates are higher, and combined with the fact that we're, uh, demand for space is down and he could have a lot of vacancy in his portfolio or in the particular building, values are down. It's, it's very challenging for that landlord to be able to, to get a loan. And also for you to go try to go buy a building today, you know, what's happening with the regional banks and the banks in general, they're being much more conservative. But you see what happened to you know, Silicon Valley Bank and you know, first Republic Bank and a lot of bank signature bank, mm-hmm. but a lot of real estate exposure. So, because the banking sector is very conservative and nervous and wants to not lend as much, you have higher interest rates. You know, the capital markets pretty much are very, very tight. On it's pretty much not on hold, but it's it's much harder to get deals done. Now, there's great opportunities for private sector, other other companies, um, not banks, but other you know, private equity firms and other, you know, finance type companies to sort of come in uh, to the market and, and do some lending, uh, provide debt, you know, and, and, and equity. But, you know, it's uh, really slowed things down and it's not, not a pretty picture. You haven't seen the distress yet that everybody thought of expected mm-hmm. that they were going to have, you know, a lot of the lenders have sort of kicked the can down the road. I mean, a lot of buildings are not anywhere near worth the debt, mm-hmm. you know, Probably, you know, twenty five percent of the buildings in office buildings in Manhattan are, you know, the values under the debt. Right. Wow. Twenty five percent, maybe. Probably. Wow. And you know, it's hard to get a loan because how do you value a property today? What are rents? Mm-hmm. It's hard to sort of predict. Yes, yeah, so interest rates have really 
had a significant negative impact valuation. Now, also for tenants, well, this is a phenomenal opportunity for tenants to take advantage of the current conditions, probably for a tenant, probably one of the best real estate markets, in my opinion, for mm-hmm. a tenant. And it's going to be this way for, for quite some time, in my opinion, years. Um, the one issue with interest rates and how it's going to negatively impact tenants is that landlords are not going to be able to provide as much of a tenant improvement allowance. Not all landlords, but those that rely upon borrowing that money. Now they have to borrow it at a higher, instead of borrowing right. at 2%, 2.5%, 3%, yeah. they got to borrow at 6% or 7%, 8%. Right. And now that makes it more expensive. They're going to amortize that over 10, 15-year lease. That makes it more expensive. Mm-hmm. And the landlord might not be able to actually you know, have the capacity to borrow that. Uh, money, so a little more challenging um, on the tenant improvement side for tenants. So, if tenants are willing to spend the money themselves to build that space, you'll they'll be fine. But if there's not ability to get a tenant improvement allowance, you know, construction costs are still very very high. Mm-hmm. You know, tenants might have to or might look more favorably towards buildings where they can get a tenant improvement allowance, or buildings that where the space is built out, and those that can provide that work allowance, you know, yeah. might 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 be in a worse off position. Well, considering that, uh, you know, we may see as debt comes due and, and you see these, you know, owners, landlords that have to, uh, you know, get debt at a much higher rate. Do you think that we'll see a wave of defaults here in the coming years? If, if, uh, if, if interest rates don't start coming down in the next couple of years, what, what do you project? You know, so I don't think anybody wants to get to that position, right? right? So obviously there'll be buildings that, you know, a lot of buildings are probably in technical default right now. And I think that the lenders are trying to figure it out. They don't want to take the buildings back. They have to pay transfer tax on that. They have to probably spend additional capital to put into the building to potentially improve the building, to pay out you know, tenant approval allowances, concessions, commissions. So they'd like to figure out other ways to sort of work you know, with their current owners if they can. But if they can't, they're going to have no choice. Yeah. So t- thinking about this, uh, let's say we have some investors out there, and, and I would imagine this is a great time to look at some New York office REIT stocks. So any recommendations to our listeners in terms of what they could be looking at for their own personal portfolio? Yeah. Well, listen, real estate is cyclical. I think that with all the bad press out there, a lot of the New York office REITs stocks you know, have gotten hammered. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, you know, some of them, take a look at SL Green, Vornado, maybe gotten hammered, you know, maybe it's gone a little bit too far, maybe other ones as well. Mm-hmm. Now with when you start selling mutual funds or, you know, ETFs in real estate, mm-hmm. sometimes these companies, they're selling the, these companies' stocks and it's, maybe it's over, overdone a little bit. Yeah. So I think that if you have a long-term horizon, and we can talk about what the future, we know, talked about what the future of New York's going to look like, mm-hmm. but if you have a longer-term horizon, I, if you buy something that's out of favor and you have a long-term horizon, knowing that New York real estate is not going away, I think that potentially could be some really good opportunities there. Yeah. So I want to talk a little about the state legislature. I know this is something that in the last session they tried to tackle, but were not successful in making it easier to transition 
office space to residential. I would imagine as somebody who's not an expert in this field, but it's not just like uh, Tinkerbell waving her ferry and all of a sudden an office space becomes uh, a residential space or a hotel space. How difficult is it uh, to transition, to convert, I should say, an office building into a residential yeah. building, a hotel, mixed use? Yeah. Well, first of all, you have a couple issues, right? So one is the building itself. What's the bones of the building and the floor plate and, and the current configuration of that building? Does it, could, could it work? Mm-hmm. What's going on with the capital markets? And you know, can you get the money, the, the equity yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, and debt to go do it? And then sort of what is the valuation of that particular building and what can you buy this building for or what's sort of the building worth? And then by investing the capital, at the end of the day, what is the building going to be worth? So I I think that it's a topic out there. I don't think that you'll see, in my personal opinion, a lot of buildings be converted to residential or to um, hotels unless the building itself really has limited value. So it's a building in lower Manhattan that's being converted. There was no office use. That building would have sat vacant forever. Right. Um, and so they had no choice. If they wanted to you know, have some value in the building, they needed to, to you know, convert this asset. You, know, you look at the value of the building, is, is there any value at all? And if there's not, maybe it's sort of worthwhile to go spend the money. Um, you do have, but you don't have to convert the entire building, you, and you know you can convert part. And there are buildings that I know about that are you know looking at converting part of the building because, for instance, in this particular building I'm talking about, the upper floors have the right floor plate to convert because when you have residential, your bedrooms need light. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the bigger buildings, the floor buildings that have bigger, larger floor plates, right. unless you punch holes in them, yeah. and that's where it gets really, really expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you get the FAR back and you can add the FAR back on top of the building, you know, it's so you you, are, you might see some partial build, like uh, buildings converted, it's like an office in the base and you know residential in the tower. It's, it's hard to get money, yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> and hard to get equity and debt, and so unless you're putting up a lot of that capital. You know, it might be difficult. Which is highly risky. But then you think, so the 94 million square feet of available space uh, in Manhattan, is a, a lot of that is just kind of waiting out the market and hoping that it's cyclical and hoping that this is just uh, in a couple of years going to be back and hot again? Is that kind of the, the plan for many of these uh, uh, owners at this point? You know, yeah, interesting. Trying to figure out, like, what – sector is going to lead the market back, mm-hmm. right? So you've always had financial services that, you know, has always been the largest sort of user of space and, you know, are not that entire sector would need to come back. Right. Tech, obviously, venture capital funding at the moment is sort of shut down except for companies that are in AI and, you know, maybe construction tech or, uh, you know, climate tech, but funding, you know, capital is um, not there today to fund a lot of these new companies. So, yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out myself, like, what is that next sort of growth engine mm-hmm. for New York? I do think when there's more certainty on the economy, you know, companies will, and more certainty in companies' businesses, that companies will start expanding in general. Mm-hmm. And so leasing activity should pick up. And 
So maybe it gets back to a more normalized leasing level compared to sort of where we are. But, you know, listen, do you see one a phenomenal opportunity for not-for-profits, mm-hmm. hospitals, yeah. schools to take advantage yeah. and to, you know, buy or long-term lease um, properties in New York. So, you know, that could be an area mm. of growth. Right. You know, um, I get, you know, obviously it's capital intensive, but they can sort of improve, you know, their uh, portfolios uh, and properties. And so I think it's a really unique time for that, those industries. Yeah. But otherwise, is there, I'm like scratching my head mm-hmm. trying to figure <laughs> out, you know, what, what is that, you know, next, right. you know, what's, who's going to lead the market back? And yeah. I don't have that answer at the moment. Getting back to the state legislature for one more question before we move on to something else. So thinking about the calculus that must go into many of these owners' heads when they look and say, uh, you know, it's not easy to get access to capital at this point. It's a big risk if I do want to convert. Um, does that change potentially if there are some tax breaks that the legislature would write in for developers that would potentially take office buildings and make it, let's say, for some affordable housing, for some mixed use, something that's going to be useful to the community, let's say, if in a year or two, let's say we're back next year at uh, in the session in Albany, and there's still issues with uh, many of the places in the market. We're looking and say, okay, well, some of these buildings don't look like it, it might be a while before we actually fill this up. It might be better for the community if we actually see this as another use. If there is our potential tax breaks on the board, does that change the calculus from these developers or yeah. not really? Yeah, no, I, mean, I think that it does. I mean, I think that people in the state legislature should look at the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. This get educated and informed. When landlords go out there and develop properties, they're taking a risk, right? They're risking their capital, risking their time. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of contingencies. They have no idea. Nothing is it's very uncertain. The interest rates, they have no idea where interest rates go, are going potentially two or three years out when these buildings are built. Um, they have no idea what the market's going to be, what the economy is going to be. So, you know, a lot of these buildings that were built, you know, a lot of the condos that were built, you know, a lot of them developers are, have, been, have lost money, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some where they made a lot of money. But I definitely think that to drive new development, there needs to be tax breaks mm-hmm. to help get the project sort of off the ground. Right. And, and I think that if you want to have more supply, you know, you need to figure out you know, how to encourage that. So it's, it's, I strongly wish that it was, these decisions were more fact-based. Yeah. I'm going to go on a completely different topic here. And it's something I didn't really prepare you for, but I had a discussion this morning, really a debate this morning about artificial intelligence, not in real estate, but in general. And uh, mind you, while I've done a lot of reading about it, most of my knowledge of artificial intelligence and my fear of artificial intelligence comes from the Terminator movie. So you'll have to bear with me on that. Um, Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we, we both have kids and younger kids. and <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Who knows what 30, it's going to be like 30 years from now. <laughs> yeah. So has AI arrived in the real estate space? Is it coming? What does that look like, if you even know at this point? Yeah. No, I, I think that AI is going to be everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Real estate is a big topic. 
you know, so you have all the different kind of asset classes. Yeah. Um, and you have different parts of the life cycle of real estate from figuring out whether you want to buy a building or not to transacting to managing. So I think that AI will help sort of in all different phases. And I think that I'm starting to see companies, startups focusing on using AI in construction okay. and, in, and in managing properties is, you know, AI can be very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that, you know, there'd be a lot, a lot of sort of applications that, you know, we're, will come to the benefit of tenants mm-hmm. and both, you know, landlords and owners and investors. Yeah. Well, anytime I've talked with you or with others about, you know, different real estate deals, projects, the thing that is amazing is more than any other deal, more than any other project, more than any other thing, even when I think about my time in the White House and what we were involved in and uh, different projects and, and events that were going on there and even the logistics of getting a president somewhere here or there, it seems like I've never seen deals that have more – pieces, more moving pieces than real estate projects. It just seems from the construction standpoint, there are thousands of things that you need to put together all at once and the timing of it. So to me, it seems like one of these things where while AI certainly is something that concerns me in terms of the future of our kids, it seems like something that if controlled in the right place, it can really help a developer, it can help leasers, it can help anybody who's actually going to, uh, you know, wants to make their project potentially profitable. 100% agree. Mm-hmm. But I th- again, I think that there's many different uh, applications for AI and real estate. And I think that it helps make people more informed, helps it make smarter decisions, quicker decisions. Access to information will be so much better. Co- costs will come down. So, yeah, I think, um, again, that's why there's all this, you know, while the VC world is sort of not funding as much today. They are funding AI because they're, it's. I think it's. It's definitely. Uh, it, it's game changing. Yeah. But it does have to be <laughs> regulated because <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know I, I think um, if it gets out of hand, we will be living in like the, like when Terminator. Yeah, you know, exactly. That. We don't want Arnold to come back and come after the John Connors of the world, <laughs> if, if you will. <laughs> so. As we wrap this up, Rob, what is the future of, and this is going to be a general question, kind of more than uh, office space, but it, but you know, specifically with real estate, what's the future of Manhattan look like in your mind, right? The next 5, 10, 50 years as our kids get older, I'm always a big believer that New York City comes back. I do think in the near term, right, we certainly have some major headwinds that we're going up against, but... In your mind, with everything that you've seen in your career, what's the future of Manhattan yeah. look like? I'm so bullish on New York and Manhattan. Forget the office market. Yeah. Just look what's happened over the last 20, 25 years. All the parks, the Hudson River Park, mm-hmm. and they're still spending lots of money uh, to uh, renovate parts of the piers over there and what they're doing on the east side and what they did to Governor's Island. Yeah. And I think that you know New York is a place to be is, you know, there's so much culture here and arts, entertainment, phenomenal restaurants. Yeah. So I think that young people graduate college, they want to come here and live here. I think people want to visit here. I think New York's doing well. You look at a lot of areas 
that you know we're not doing as well. You know, two bridges, you know, Lower East Side, and uh, you know those maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, but they're thriving now. Got a lot of you know new apartment buildings and you know new restaurants and great bars, and so yeah, I'm very bullish on you know overall. I think that uh, residential real estate. You know, we always obviously there's always cycles, but I think residential real estate will always do well here. And I think that you know, the office markets ha- is affected now. Obviously, return to office and um, uncertainty in the economy. I think eventually, hopefully, that will sort of settle down. Ho- hotels will do well, but people want to be here and uh, want to live here. So I, I'm really bullish on, on on New York and Manhattan. Well, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good last word, but uh, before we, we wrap it up, any other final thoughts, any other last words? I mean, that was, uh, that was, that actually sounded like more than anything. It sounded like you were uh, working in like the economic development office of New York. I mean, if you start talking that well, Rob, you're going to take a big pay cut and go work for the city. You know, <laughs> I, I, I love New York and, um, and my kids go to school here and I think that, um, you know, it's a great place to, to raise a family, and I, I said it all, uh, uh, I think, and I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Of course. Well, Rob, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it today. Great. Well, thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. Well, that was my friend Rob Martin, vice chairman of JLL, one of the top brokers, not just in New York City, but in all of the United States of America and somebody who really has the pulse on uh, the challenges and somebody who's very bullish of the future of New York. So make sure you come on back next week and have a wonderful week. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.